Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections. Brought to you by Never Had It So Good, Sports Media Network. As always, you know I'm pleased and happy to be here with you. And on Sunday, we always have the pleasure every other Sunday of having Mr. Higgins here with us to discuss some of the detail of types of stories that go on related to the inner city and to the issues that African Americans and people of color have to deal with. Welcome uh, today, uh, Ms. Higgins. How are you doing? All right, and you, Mr. Deshay? I'm doing fine, sir. Glad to be here with you. Uh, what what will we discuss today, Ms. Higgins? Well, um, today we're going to drug, um, discuss the um, the start of drugs being illegal in, in the United States. We're going to discuss and discuss the reasons why they became illegal, and and how it relates to our community. So, um, the drugs became illegal in the United States in 1915 through this act called the Harrison Act. And this Harrison Act was enacted through a series of propaganda tools um, um, used basically saying that drugs were being used by immigrants and, and black people. So they said that marijuana was the 
drug of choice by Mexicans and Mexican workers. They strike to smoke marijuana, and they said that cocaine was the medicine that, um, for black people in the South. And to quote an article directly, it says, Negro cocaine fiends are the new Southern menace. That was the headline of an article I came across while doing my research for my PhD in 1996. It involved trying to understand the neurobiological behavioral effects of psychoactive drugs like cocaine and nicotine. So I read everything that seemed relevant. The proactively headline article had appeared in the New York Times on February 8, 1914. I was inspired by the title. Although I knew there was one acceptable to print such a blatantly racist words in respectable paper, but what really shocked me was how similar it was to the modern media coverage of illegal drugs and how from early on the racialized discourse on drugs served as a larger political purpose. The author of the screen, the physician, wrote, The Negro fiend imagines that he hears people taunting and abusing him and his often incites his homicidal attacks upon innocent, unsuspecting victims. He continued, the deadly accuracy of the cocaine user has become axiomatic in the southern police circles. The record of the cocaine nigger near Asheville who dropped five men dead in their tracks using only one cartridge for each officer's evidence that's sufficiently convincing. Cocaine, in other words, made black men uniquely murderous and better marksmen, but that wasn't all. It also produced a resistance to the knockdown effect of fatal wounds. Bullets fired into the vital parts that would drop the same man in his tracks failed to check the fiend. So the thing about it was is that they found that the um now the thing about it, how the black people in the first piece first place even started using cocaine. That's the question. Now black people at this time, this is this is this is after slavery, this is the eighteen hundreds, eighteen eighty, eighteen nineties. Black people were using cocaine because they were now dock workers. And they were dock workers putting bales of cotton on the boat. The ships coming up the Mississippi. So when they were dock workers coming to put a boat boats up the ship up the Mississippi, the owners would give them cocaine so that they could work longer and continue and, 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 work, and work faster. So this inevitably proliferated uh, uh, down to the, um, these dark workers having interaction with the police at, at local um, speakeasies or juke joints, and inevitably they realized that um, one of the officers shot one of the one of the patrons at the with speakeasy who was a dark dark worker, and they realized he didn't go down. He was he, he was go down. And they realized they blamed cocaine on him. This became a sensation in the newspapers. All through the newspapers, they started saying about how cocaine was making black men stronger and and this, that, and the other. So what happened was this in conjunction with uh, with the with the with the Mexicans saying that the Mexicans smoke marijuana, and that marijuana would loosen the morals of white women to sleep with them. This is the um this is the basis for them now creating this thing called the Harrison Act. The Harrison Act was the act where they started putting the tax on 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 the drugs because up until that time you could buy cocaine in Woolworths. And you know, and so these, this is how this is how available these substances were in our community. They were available in pharmacies. You know, there was um, cocaine was actually actually one of the um, 
ingredients in Coca-Cola. They had wines. They had cocaine in it. So cocaine was accepted um, a substance in this in this country up until the time where they wanted to tax it and get it out of the hands of the common people. They didn't want the common people to be using it, so they put a tax on it initially. So this tax initially got it out the hand, so you know that you know the the the, the, the marijuana being the marijuana by the um, Mexicans and the cocaine by the blacks that you know it could it couldn't be used, and this was actually a way to vilify vilify these these groups of people and actually go after them. You know, now one of the things that one of the things that and how we have to understand how personal interest fuels a lot of this is because um, when it comes to the marijuana. The, 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 the marijuana campaign went on for, for many years in terms of smearing um, um, its uses because no one felt anything wrong with marijuana. So they went off into the 1930s, called this thing called, made a movie called Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness was um, funded by a man that was, was, was actually propagated by a man, by William Randolph Hearst, who actually at one time was the um, newspaper baron at the time. And so being that he did, um, they, um, at the time, they were, you know, there was a in the time when we were using books, they would either use hemp paper or, or regular paper from wood. He didn't want people using hemp paper, so he decided to use being that hemp is the cousin of marijuana. He decided to vilify marijuana because he didn't want people using hemp paper as competition in terms of publication. So William Randolph Hearst lobbied the government to have put to, to start um to create an office to go against drugs. And this office was first headed by a man named Harry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger was the first, um, was the first, um, you know, appointed to, to as, as a government official to go against the drug trade. Now this was up to the 1930s, and so all and all of these things, and now all of these things, are, 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 in, in essence, were all used as tools as to, in efforts to go after black people. And we have to understand now. In this day and age, it's, it's the same. It's the same methodology being used in terms about um, when, when, when they um, when they use the, the you know the, the, um, the, the slogan, "Oh, we're going after drug war. We're going after the drug war." But then, you know, what I'm saying, but then when actually when you go up to the drug war, all that you see is the um, the, the, the people that the, the people who get arrested from the drug war are the um, are, are young black males. It's no, it's no different than when um, in Hillary Clinton in Hillary Clinton in the 90s when he called the young blacks male super criminals. You know what I mean? And said that these young children had to be um, housed with um, adults. You know what I mean? So what happens is it's always in the language. It's always in the language that we have to watch the language of the laws in terms of how they vilify us in, the, in, in society because they vilify drugs all, all in association so they can vilify us. And we have to understand that that is in the language and the laws and the law books that we hear. It doesn't specifically say we're going after black people. It doesn't specifically say that we're targeting black people. But what happens is ultimately we become the targets once they design specific laws, and especially the ones designed and designed in um in essence in terms of about infringing on uh, infringing on, on 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 the Constitution. Many of the laws that infringe the Constitution, um, um, are, are black people have been the, have been bear the burden of wearing the um the wearing the um the stigmatism that allows them to be able to push against the Constitution or leave a search and seizure. You know, you know what I'm saying? All all this is on the drug war and the control on crime and things of this nature. But none of these things, none of these substances will be in our community if there um if you know, if there wasn't some type of people um some type of entities that um bigger than the people in these community bringing them there. You know, for cocaine and heroin, they have to use chemical agents 
that come out of laboratories to change these drugs from actual plants into drugs. So when they say they want to stop the drug wars, it's a fallacy because if they wanted to stop the drug wars, they would stop it at the, at, at the chemical agents that come from out of out of out of out of laboratories. So we have to understand that you know many of these drug wars are just um are are surreptitiously titled so that they can attack people of color. And, you know, we, we, we see it now, and we will continue to see it if we don't understand what, what they've done in the past. See, what they've done in the past, you know what I'm saying, you know, they have the, you know, they push information so they don't make it accessible to everyone. But once you start doing your research, you start understanding that this drug war is a feudal war, and it's only a war to, you know, to infringe upon our freedoms, then, you know what I'm saying, then we'll, under, then we'll understand that what, what we have to attack, instead of having, instead of looking at the drug itself, we have to look at in terms of the, gov- the governmental effect, the, the, the governmental benefit that has benefited from we um having, having these, these um initiatives um, set up out in our communities? Well, let's say, Higgins, at some point, uh, people determined that cocaine had a uh, negative effect on the human existence. And so when you say um, in 1915 it was was, um, banned worldwide, why would they have banned it worldwide if there wasn't some negative results behind people using it? It wasn't banned worldwide. It was taxed. And it wasn't worldwide. It was just taxed in the United States. So they began to put a tax on it because up until then, you could buy it up in Woolworth or your local pharmacy. Up until that, up until up until that time, so there was no tax on it. They put a tax on it, and this tax was primarily to keep it out of the hands of the poor. See, the things in regards to see, we have to understand many of the people that um, we look up to in terms about like Sigmund Freud, Sigmund Freud, who's a, uh, one of the leaders and psychologists, um, and um, he was a, he was a known cocaine abuser. So we have to so we have to understand that many of the people that you know we look up to in, in society, these people use cocaine and it wasn't vilified. Whenever they want to vilify something, it's always it's always aimed at the poor. It's never aimed at the rich. So what happens is the rich always get a pass, and the poor are the ones are are the reason why it becomes a scourge or has a nefarious title attached to it. But what, what, what in all reality is the fact that the poor are just are just the um the drug itself or the or the the problem itself. Is not really the, the ultimate the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is actually to go after a group of people without without seemingly so. And that's the same thing with, in terms of marijuana. In terms about when they called it a gateway drug, they actually had a movie called Reefer Madness that was um that was um shown in schools and shown throughout the country in terms about and it was you know in terms about how the dangers and, and you know of marijuana. So this is why. This is why so many people, so many generations have the disdain for marijuana, and this is why you see the, the change in society now in terms of, and it's all with the laws. The laws, the laws are changing. Why? Because what, what, what happens is, is that these, these the, why, why were these laws instituted in the first place? These laws are instituted in the first place so that they can go after certain groups of people. Now the people are lobbying and people are lobbying, and it's all in terms about Americans are using it and using their political power to to actually get what they want and and, and access in terms of in terms of the marijuana usage. Now it's up to us as African Americans in this country to use our political power to get what we want. 
you can no longer allow politicians to come in our community and say they want to stop crime and give us more police. If you want to stop crime, you'll give us more jobs. If you want to stop crime, you'll put more uh, manufacturing businesses in, in the community and not retail business in the community. This is the thing that you do when you want to stop crime. But what happens is, is that us as, us as African Americans and people, people of color in our communities, we're not utilizing the political system in the aspect that, 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 that benefits us. And we have to realize that when people want to utilize the political system, they utilize it, they utilize it in the terms that benefits them. So now, you know what I'm saying, so now the people who smoke marijuana, they have utilized this, they spent their money, lobbied in government, and, had, and got the laws passed in certain states where marijuana has become legal. They lobbied, so they showed, they showed the studies where, you know what I'm saying, they showed that the... Um, the fallacy and the science they have previous to it, and now they're lobbying to change things. Now, we have to understand that we have to be aware of what they're going to lobby to change things, how it's going to hurt us, and how it's going to affect us. Because anytime they change laws, it affects us negatively. You know, they just they just um, recently they had on the table talk about they're going to put um do drug testing for um for um for um for um for for, for, um, for food stamps. So what happens is you know what I'm saying we have to say how are these things going to affect us and how they're going to affect us negatively. You know what I mean? Anything anything that the government does, we have to we have to research and analyze it from from, from the pros and the cons. We can't just look at the perspective that we like. We have to look, also look at the perspective we don't like. And that's and and, that, and that's and that's what we have to do because we have to understand that you know just because it's law doesn't make it right. Slavery once was the time was law. Jim Crow once was the time was law. Many of the things that you know that 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 are not no longer law that that have been detrimental into to our health you know, are no longer law. So we have to always we have to always analyze the law and get involved with our make sure that our position in the law is being heard and being felt, so that we don't bear the burdens and have our jails filled up with our children our children filled up the jails for the simple fact because of a tweak in the law. You know what I mean? Because as of now, the crime is that you know they're going to make these laws, um, um, um make relax these marijuana laws, but you have you have you have millions of people in jail. You know what I'm saying, or they or they crimes boosted up because of marijuana. So now, you, so now you're gonna relax the law, but you're not gonna, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna backdate and, and give these people some 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 um 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 some type of reciprocation, some type of um um a relief in regards to the burden that's been put on them in regards to the laws at that time. And we have to watch the laws because when you're dealing with laws, it's 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 funny, you know, because law law can allow incest. Law can allow pedophilia, and if we don't if we don't pay attention to what we see going on right now, the laws will begin to allow incest and will begin to allow pedophilia, and that's why it's good that we take a look back at the Harrison Act because we have to understand that at one point in time in this country, drugs were legal, heroin, opium was legal, cocaine was legal. People they shot they gave they sold syringes and cocaine in um in 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 Woolworth and in 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 the pharmacies around this country and it wasn't until that they wanted to um to to vilify wanted to keep it out the hands of the poor that that's when they made it illegal the same thing with prohibition with, with alcohol it wasn't that they didn't want alcohol for the for the for the for, um alcohol was bad they just didn't want it in the hands of the poor. You know what I'm saying? And the alcohol movement in, in, in prohibition was, was was a replication of something that happened prior to in England, which was called the temperance movement. When England in the 1800s, when they didn't want poor people drinking, so we have to understand that many of the laws that we see tailored and directed on, on, in society are the are are, are, are coded in the wording 
is actually vilifying a group of people. And that's what we have to pay attention when we pay attention when we look at the Harris Snack in 1915. Well, but uh, Ms. Higgins, part of the problem, and I understand you saying you need we need to verify the effect that the laws are going to have on uh, society, and African Americans make up that society. But I don't see the benefit of euphoria uh, for the common people. I don't see the necessity to give uh, the general public or any part of our society the right to spend the the majority of their lives in euphoria. Uh, When you people say to me, um, you know, uh, you know, getting high allows them to, to escape. I ask, you know, what are you trying to escape from? Um, I'm not sure escaping from reality uh, by marijuana or by cocaine or by any hallucinogen is the best way to deal with life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to pay attention to the laws. We have to pay attention to the law. Whatever we have... Whenever we have a law, whatever it is, right now we have a law saying it's okay to smoke marijuana. So now, so we have to pay attention to the law, and whenever we pass laws, people of color end up winning the burden of it. And the and it's the irony of the fact that at one time this this um, these drugs were legal and they were fine and they were fine to be sold in the um in the pharmacies and in and in, in, in substances that people use at home and commonly use at home with soda and wine and things of that nature. But when what happens is that then it became this nefarious product as soon as it got into the hands of people of color. See that's and that's what we have to provide. That the laws change as soon as things got in the hands of color. With the the the, the use of the drug is just an example. The tool of the law is is what we have to look at. You know what I mean? And in terms of our people getting inebriated, whether whether you know what I'm saying, whether someone's for or against it, that's you know that's that that's that's a, 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 a personal position. But what we have to look in terms in terms of a position that affects us all, is that these laws affect all of us in terms of people of color, in terms about in terms about our, our livelihood and our lifestyles and the things that the things that happen in our community. Because what happens is, is that when these laws are designed specifically to 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 to, to, to demonize us, to demonize us, you know, then we have to then we have to then we have to understand that then we have to say then these these laws have to be exercised of equal limit. It has to be a balance and exercise of these laws. Because what happens is, is that even when we came to crack and cocaine, you know. Well, um, the, the the cocaine was um was 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 given was given one stipulation the crack and the crack was given another stipulation. Why? Because when the, um most of the people who was being caught with the cocaine were Caucasian who was the the, the people who bring who were bringing it in in terms about um bringing a large mass quantities of it and most of the people who were distributing it were were, were um people of color and then, and in that in that point in time had 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 um, had changed the cocaine into crack cocaine. So. So what happens is, and in, 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 in with the vast differences in sentences in terms about the very, basically the same exact product, but, but with the vast differences in sentences in terms about who was possessing this product. So we and this is what we have to say in terms about the law. It's not in terms about in terms about people, you know, because it's the same thing. The law allows people to get to to to, to drink alcohol. The law allows people to smoke cigarettes. 
And both of these things are just this is detrimental to um to our society. The law allows people to digest food that are laden with chemicals. That then they create obesity and have an extreme health risk. So this is why we have to pay attention to the law, and we and 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 and, and, and this effect on us in our community, because the law allows for the food to be laden with, with with all these chemicals. And guess what? When these chemicals have a negative effect on the people, on, on our digestive system, on our biology, we that we also lack the money to have the adequate doctors to help us deal with the, the chemicals that we digested through the food. So like I said, through the laws, we have to pay attention to all the laws, and we have to pay attention to how these laws affect our community specifically. You know, we have to be concerned about how these laws affect our community specifically because eventually we bear the burden of many of the laws, whether they are, whether it's a drug law, whether it's a food law, whether it's the, um, the raising of the fair, in terms about a, trans, a public transit, whether it's the raising of a fine, you know, we been, even when it comes to the law in terms of the Second Amendment, many people don't like the fact that people use guns and the fact of um um the fact that you know the, the guns, but you know when with the, the position um with, with the Second Amendment is that you know what I'm saying in, in this country the Constitution is that we um we better we better we all bear the right to bear arms. Now we now the problem is, is that we live in a society where we have many foolish people bearing arms. You know, I, I know many homeowners. Many homeowners bear have a home have um weapons in their homes. So in, in regards to so there's there are many responsible people who own weapons, but then we have irresponsible people who own weapons that to go out and do foolish things. So, but when we have people creating laws that now infringe upon your right to have a weapon. This is what we have to pay attention to. And see, this is why we have to always pay attention to the law. And that's why we have to pay, and especially, and the law has, it has a duality to it, and it can actually work for us as long as we apply ourselves effectively and adequately and have an adequate position where it's going to adequately address our issues in our community. about that founded this society in the United States where we live here now, 
actually, you know what I'm saying, the people, you know what I'm saying, who actually, you know, in, in the, the upper rich, you know, the blue bloods, they actually benefited from the, the opium, the, if I'm not mistaken, the 100 years China was caught, was caught up in the opium plague. So we have, we, have, we have to understand that, you know what I mean? So um, I'm, I'm thinking I might have been even longer than that. But so so we have to understand that so many of the people who now vilify the drug trade and say this, that, and the other, they are actually descendants of people who benefited from the drug trade, you know. And the drug trade in China was so powerful, was so, you know, um, England, the, the British were able to, you know, take the tea from um, India and make it more prominent throughout the world instead of Chinese tea. Red zinger tea, all of the colored teas and the new teas that you hear now that we've covered in the past 25, 30 years, all Chinese tea. The Lipton tea that we know, that we know and treat, that black tea, that's a tea from, from India. And, that's, and, that, and that tea right there was purposely, you know, the tiny was purposely um, 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 promoted and Chinese tea was purposely, purposely pushed down. Why? All due to the, due to, to the trade agreements that they had established um 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 with China and 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 during 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 the opium wars. So we have to understand that many of the people that you know who create the government, who designed the laws, who were beneficial from um that they created the society that we live in, were at one time in this country drug dealers. Well, let me just ask you if you know we always want to monitor the decisions that are made by society and the kind of long-term effect they're going to have on the citizenry. So when I ask you, uh, as we see, it looks like we're trying to move away from criminalizing drugs uh, to the point where we um, we work on the individuals. What is the long-term effect of changing that uh, to the point where you allow people to make choices but then they make the wrong choices. I mean, you know, you got to ask yourself, if, again, I, I told you uh, before we got on the show, the main reason that I've never dealt in drugs or participated in drugs is because it was illegal. You know, when I got to be an adult, I, I, would, I would drink every once in a while, but I controlled my drinking. That doesn't mean right. you can control because you control your drinking, that you can control your drug usage. I usually normally see people who are unable to control their drug use. So are we going to allow, are we going to reduce the criminalization of drugs and then allow people to ruin their lives? And and what you're saying in regards to about are we going to well, we're seeing that now when people are reducing them when they've been changing the laws of marijuana. We're seeing, we're seeing it, and then, and then one time there used to be laws in terms of like, in terms about um, alcohol usage. There used to be laws saying that there was no law about drinking and driving. Then there became a law about drinking and driving. So we and we have to understand that, like I, like I said earlier, the marijuana laws were were changed and. Um, and putting it to effect because a man named William Randolph Hearst, who was a newspaper baron at the time, decided that he didn't want people using hemp paper 
as competition to publish their to publish their publications. So he used marijuana. He had no he had no scientific data. He used marijuana. Being marijuana and the hemp plant are related in terms about in terms about in terms about the strains. But in the, which and he used marijuana to vilify people from using hemp for paper for paper using paper for publication. So initially, the marijuana claim about being dangerous and all this was all a propaganda tool of a personal a newspaper bearer for his per- personal and self-interest. There was no scientific fact. Now, I'm not here promoting drugs. I'm not here promoting the fact of use of drugs. I'm here stating that in terms about drugs, laws in general, we have to pay attention to laws and how they're used to vilify people of color. And they've done it with drug laws. They've done it with uh, they do what they're doing it with um, laws in, in terms of mental illness. They're doing it with the laws in terms about with locking children up. That's why I stated the fact that they're dealing with laws when Hillary said they had the super predators and they had started allowing teenagers to be housed with adult with adult inmates. So all of these are laws, and all these laws and end up having a negative effect on people of color or people from our community. And we have to pay attention to the laws because the laws often change. Just like they changed with the marijuana laws. Now you have people who've been behind jails from selling marijuana who may have never even used marijuana. But now 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 people now they got businesses about to be in big businesses creating millions of dollars off of selling marijuana when these people because now all of a sudden the law changed. And this is what we have to worry well, about because when the law is Certainly yes. we want to address the fact that we have millions of people who are in jail or on probation and dealing with how do we reduce the number of people who are in jail for marijuana and for nonviolent crimes. Uh, but as we do that, uh, we have to recognize that we are going to have to adjust uh, the criminality of these things and then support uh, the the clinical problems of dealing with people who are out of control. So I I just want I don't have a problem with decriminalizing certain drug drug uses and then giving people the option of uh, going to clinics to deal with their uh, their addiction. But we cannot allow society to assume that becoming addicted to cocaine, heroin, and uh, other medical uh, drugs is is a good thing. And you're right, and th- and that's why and that's why we should address the fact that, um, in in regards to the opioid crisis that we're in, in, encapsulated in now, right now in this country, we have an opioid crisis. Or when, why do we have an opioid crisis? Because the medicine that they've been prescribing people are <laughs> opioid based. So we so the fact that you allow these substances under so called control measures to run loose in our country and now all of a sudden you say, Oh, we have an opioid crisis when you already know that using these types of substances can create this type of problem. 
You know, we we have a history, we have a long history of it. So we have to watch the laws. That's why it's always about watching the law. Because the law, someone passed the law and allowed for them to use these opioids in the medicine that in the medicines that's been been being administered in this country for the past twenty years or more, and now we have an opioid crisis where we have people with the same go to the same thing you talk about in China instead of smoking it they're taking the pills, and now we have this crisis in this country, and so much so that the governor of New Jersey is even out of office and still fighting the opioid crisis, and you know what I'm saying and no one has addressed that the opioid crisis started in the laboratories of the pharmaceutical companies. You know what I mean? That's where it started at. So if you had such a so if the some pharmaceutical companies knew they were using such highly addictive substances, why would they put them inside the the the, the, the medicine medication that they're administering to the American public? And that's what we well, have to be just, aware of. Let me let me just um, share with you. Uh, you know, I told you ten years I worked at the jail. And I I have heard some horrific stories, and I had uh, certain uh, issues with back pain that I had to go to the hospital with, and um, you know I um I can remember the story where the young man uh, was a nurse, him and his wife was a nurse, and they were making nearly two hundred thousand a year and raising three children, and life was just beautiful. Uh, but then he had a uh, need to have a uh, back surgery, and he came out and they gave him. I and uh, uh-huh. instead of taking one, he started taking more than one in his his um, in his order. Most of the order wouldn't make it to the end, so he had to find ways to. Um, get more uh, of this osteoporosis. And then, you know, he eventually got addicted where he was still a prescription pad. And so he went to jail. And so here is a person who did not have an intent to become addicted to osteoporosis. And I may not be pronouncing it right. Is that right? What you Do you know the pronunciation of it? Oxycontin. Oxycontin. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. So what my problem is is that uh, when I had back pain and went to the doctor and they they quickly told me, you know, Mr. Shea, you can't come to the hospital for pain. You need to go back home and just endure it. And they gave me this oxycodone, but because of my fear of drugs and eventually the pain mm-hmm. went away. But the deal is I didn't want the comfort of pills because I'm too afraid that you will you know, the addiction of that behavior. Mm-hmm. So as we um, aggress to try to um, to decriminalize drug use, I just don't see any other thing, other any other direction other than we sacrificing uh, our citizens to addiction. You're right. And, and the thing about it is, is that, and that's being government sanctioned. You know, like you just said, you know, the doc, you know, the, the gentleman, you know, got the prescription from his doctor. And you know what I mean? You just said you was able to tough it out through the pain. So now how many Americans, you know what I'm saying, could have been able to tough it out through the pain who became 
addicted through the fact that they were using medication that was laden with opium. You know, so we have to understand that, you know, even though if they said the law says it's okay, just because the law says it's okay doesn't mean that it's okay. And we have to and we have to pay attention to what the laws are saying to us. We have to be proactive about being involved with the law because, you know, just like you said, that man, he was he was a, 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 a you know law abiding citizen, you know, and you know, and 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 what it what it made it turned into him turned into a criminal, you know what I mean? And that's the thing, and that's the and that's the problem with many of our young people now, you know, you know. Um, they're law-abiding citizens, and under some circumstances, it turns into a criminal. You know what I mean? You know they not, they might not be as educated as that as that gentleman. You know what I mean? They might not have the have the opportunities as that gentleman, and it might be a different set of circumstances that end up turning them into a criminal. But you know what I'm saying? It's the inability to provide, the lack of opportunity. That's what ends up turning, and that's what we and that's what I'm talking about in terms about these laws, because that's what that. That they, even though that's his story in terms about okay, you know what someone will feel and did like it wasn't his fault. Well, you know the fact that we know we have children and we give them inadequate educations and don't and don't and don't give them educations where they'll be able to sustain themselves in life, and then and then be and then be angry with them that they go out and commit crimes and try to sustain themselves, and then we we let we don't have the same understanding, we don't have the same compassion for them. You know what I mean, and we have we should we have the same compassion for them in the sense of the same way we have the compassion for the man who had who um who who lost his family. You know what I'm saying through his addiction. You know. All right. Well, let's um let me uh get the 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 audience into this. Let me uh go to D. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts about decriminalizing and understanding? Mr. Higgins wants us to understand that the laws bring about um, some type of negative benefit to the uh, community and especially to the poor community, and they find themselves uh, being placed in jail. But the other side of that coin is as we decriminalize uh, drug use, we're going to increase the number of people who uh, it has a negative effect on. So what what are your thoughts about how do we handle uh, this new thought about drugs and uh, legalizing them? Well, uh, uh, I'm in agreement with Mr. Higgins. And, uh, Mr. Higgins, welcome to the show again. It's always good to have you on Thank the show. You. Um, you know, James, um, you know, uh, during this past 13 months and 15 months and so, um, it, it really has been uh, the year of exposure. Um, uh, we've gotten the opportunity to look at uh, the artwork of uh, politics in a different light. Um, their their interest on both sides of the aisle has been has been exposed to the to the general public. Um, you know. The the uh, the inaction of of special interests, no matter what it is, seems to be real prevalent when it comes down to, to lawmaking, making these laws, and, and and in the voting process itself. Um, I'm still kind of uh, disturbed about the way the electoral college is working. Um, it seems as though that special interest has its thumb on the scale 
on on whatever the uh, whichever agenda is popular at the time. Now, when you speak about the laws as it relates to uh, legalizing drugs and drug usage, yeah, I I, I am in agreement with Mr. Higgins. Um, you know, I think going forward, um, more young people should find uh, law, the study of law, uh, a real interesting uh, subject to be uh, to be studied in college, because uh, it, you know, not only does law protect itself and the interest that 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 predicates it, but also it's the footnote. The small print inside these laws that that really entrap people that that don't understand law itself, and so um, you know, so when it comes down to legalizing drugs and uh, and the, the supposed, and I I want to reiterate the supposed uh, war on opioids, I think that um, I, I think it's all a smokescreen. I think that uh, America mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is 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 involved in a in a in a new kind of low, a, a low in standards. Uh, they mm-hmm. seem to be selling us out. They seem to be selling us out to to protect its own interests. And so mm-hmm. and, and and so the laws that as, as we've come to learn here in the past uh, few years, especially after Trayvon Martin and the implementation of the Stand Your Ground law, we know now mm-hmm. that the laws are. The laws are written to protect them mm-hmm. and to protect, to protect them from us. And so it, mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that these laws that they're trying to uh, 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 trying to um, pad around the, the idea of uh, legalizing drugs is just an entrapment to to use uh, people of lower income as a scapegoat. When things go awry, mm-hmm. and I may say things, but um, that's the way I see it. All right, mm-hmm. um, Lawrence, what 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 is your idea thought related to uh, this particular subject? As we decriminalize drugs, we know that they're going to be increased. I believe there's going to be increased in drug usage. Cheryl, what what is your thought? Good evening, and how's everyone uh, doing? Good evening. Good evening. Uh, this was such so much information and good information because I didn't know the background and history of how drugs, um, you know, first came about and the use and what made it illegal. Um, when And the question you asked was, what do I think about the use of marijuana, I mean drugs? Well, I'm saying as we decriminalize drugs, there is, in my thought, there are going to be people who assume that uh, that it's okay if it's decriminalized, then it's okay to use it, which is going to increase the amount of people 
were willing to try it. Well, what I hit and um, I think when we talked about it before, and my feelings are pretty much the same. Um, that the drugs have an effect on people' um, skills. They um, they're not able to think in the same way. They aren't able to move. Um, so it alters. It alters their ability to do things. And, you know, those who use it more and more constantly, um, it becomes even more dangerous. So um, me, myself, personally, I'm not for it. Um, I know Dr. I mean, um, Pastor Smith said that he had seen it um, used in hospitals where it really did help individuals. But these are not individuals who are driving vehicles. These are not individuals, um, you know, interacting in a way that is that they can actually harm people. I think they try, you know, in the hospitals are trying to get them to a certain point in their lives and um, maybe to soothe pain. And I'm not sure exactly, or did he mention, you know, why they were given, but he did say that it was of good use and it did help. So just mentioning that, that means it does alter the things in your body your mind, your activity, um, your skills are still are not the same. So with me, I don't, um, I, I'm not for it. Um, I've, never, I've never been one to try it, never had the desire to try it, just because um, I've always told people if I'm going to get high, I can get high, um, a natural high opposed to having um any kind of substance control me. And, you know, with me being on uh, medication, I'm a prime example of knowing how a substance can take over you completely without you even being aware of it. So um, that's pretty much how I feel about, um, you know, about the use of it. Okay. Uh, Terrence, are you? Well, I just lost him again. Let's take a break. I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. I'm Terrence, right here. What, what are your thoughts about uh, decriminalizing drugs and the possibility of increasing the number of people who will then participate in drugs? Uh, once again, I like to say um, I appreciate uh, my brother speaking again once again about something that's real interesting and made me aware of where drugs came from as well. I like to say the same thing. I agree to what he's saying, to to, to, to what he's saying as far as people got to start paying attention to these laws because how, how the brother was just saying who spoke after him or whatever, saying that they, they trying to use us as a scapegoat, you know, or whatever. So... That's that's I, I agree with what he's saying. We got to start really paying attention to these laws that they put now. How they saying legalizing marijuana? 
they trying to benefit something for themselves, but they're making it seem like they're doing something for us, but it's really for them. So what we all we all got to start doing is really doing the research. See, a lot of us don't do the research no more. We just look at the headlines of it and thinking that, oh, it's going to bring us some money. Oh, we could do this. Oh, we could do that. Oh, we go. But it's a bigger picture to it. And a lot uh-huh. of us, we're not paying attention to it. And we have to start really doing the research on why is they doing that? Where is this money going to? What is they doing this for? See, this this is the things, uh, basic questions that we got to ask ourselves instead of just reading the headlines of it. You know, because it's it, it been this, like he said, it's it, it been this long time ago in history. And they're trying to bring it back, but they're trying to see what they could do. They're going to make it seem like it's for us, but it's really for them. And they're doing something behind our back, and they're doing something real secretive. See what I'm saying, Mr. Deshae? It's real deep, though. Right. It's real deep. And my brother is definitely enlightening us and making us aware we must read. We must pay attention to these laws of what they're doing to us. Because history always repeats itself. And what they're doing is really yep. what they're doing is really not what we think they're doing. See what I'm saying? So okay. I, I, I totally agree, and, I, and now I'm definitely enlightened, and I am definitely appreciate this interesting topic that we have in the day. All right, let me, let me let's take a break, and I'll come, we'll come back and continue our conversation.
Um, this is James T. Deshay, the host of Talks, Love, and Reflection. Brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Uh, Mr. Higgins, I have a question for you, and it just kind of popped in my head. Yesterday we talked about slavery and our inability to talk about the subject honestly. And I equate some of the changes that we're doing in our society to enslaving the general population. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Two of the most major changes that we've made in our law or making in our law have to do with um, gambling and has to do with drugs. So Uh I know at least three people who are very close to me who spend possibly twenty to forty dollars a day in the numbers. Right. But you could not convince them to save twenty or forty dollars a day as being in the best interest of their long term life and longevity. And the same goes with drugs. People are going to spend twenty dollars or more a day getting high, uh, taking out of their budget, uh, taking away from their long term existence. So there's a lot of ways to imprison people. You can imprison people by putting them behind bars or you can imprison you can imprison them financially by giving them so much so much to buy daily that they continue to forget about their long term existence. So all of these mm-hmm. things, the lottery and uh making marijuana legal are taking away from people's daily profit and giving them back to the government and to entrepreneurs. So what what are your thoughts about how we have gone away from uh, physical slavery to economic slavery? Well, that was that's the that's the purpose of capitalism. Um, in terms about making sure that um, our entire lives are utilized for the benefit of the rich. No matter what we're doing, no matter what we're involved with, whether it be gambling, whether it be you know, um, you know, participating in regular on a regular economic trade, buying buying televisions, cars, homes, shoes, you know, alcohol, whatever it may be, um, you know, this is this is part of the um, you know, part of the system that you know that we're involved with. You know, if we understand anything about. Um, you know, the money that we have, we spend fiat money. Fiat money is money that has no value. It has no value unless it's unless it's in the game. This money has no value. You cannot take it back to the bank and get any get any get any, get any exchange of value. You cannot take it back to the bank anymore. And they told us when we were children and exchange it for gold. So this is fiat money. So we have to we have to understand that. We have to and we have to understand that these laws have been designed to to um to placate us and 
in in certain aspects of that make us unaware of the of the extreme detriment. If you might want to understand about the law right now, uh, unfortunately, ask ask someone who's Mexican, ask someone who's Mexican, you know, or who's an immigrant, and you know, a, a, a couple years ago it was okay to come to this country and you know shut up shop. Now you know they got the you know they got the goon squad coming snatch everybody up. You know what I mean? So. You know, we have to, you know, pay attention to the laws. We have to understand that, the, you know, this country wasn't designed in terms about creating a play, a, a fair playing field. This country is designed so that, you know, that your entire life is, you know, um, utilized to make, make someone else rich. You know, you work for someone else, you make you make the company rich. The money that they pay you, you pay your bills with. You make, you make the companies that you deal with rich. So in terms of our entire lives of us as being American citizens, you know, we're the battery. We're the fuel that keeps everything going because, you know, after we make someone rich at the corporate at the corporation that we work at, you know, we pay our our light, our gas, our phone, our food, and then you know if we have anything less 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 after that, we put it in the bank to let someone else make some more money off. And then we then and we buy home, own a home when we die. Then they have a state tax on us, you know what I'm saying? Where the, the um the you know the government's gonna take a part of that money, you know, in terms about the estate. So you know we have to understand our whole lives in in terms about us being born is for the utilization of of, of another group of people, you know what I'm saying? You know, and it doesn't and that doesn't doesn't it doesn't even matter what color we are, you know. So we have to understand that. Once we understand that, we'll start you know utilizing public service because that's what they are politicians or public servants and we'll start utilizing these public servants you know for the purpose that they you know what 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 we elected them for and and as of now we haven't been using these public services for the purposes that we elected them for we've come come in and let let them allow us to tell us you know um then um mediators between us and, and big business and we have to understand that you know that um that the government is supposed to work for us and is supposed to serve us. You know these 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 public servants they're supposed to serve, serve us, and we're not supposed to you know be um marginalized you know by by their personal gains. We're supposed to they they they're, they're supposed to be in, in in service to us, and we have to understand that as Americans we've lost that ability to understand that. But don't don't you understand that we pray or capitalism prey on people who are unable excuse me who are unable to control their expenses and that they're willing to give away their hard earned money no matter how they obtain it for short term relief when a person uses marijuana they're looking for a short-term relief from the day-to-day burdens of living. And when people use drugs, they're looking for short-term relief, which is giving somebody long-term financial gain. Uh, we can't get beyond that. Uh, Terrence, what, what, what are your thoughts about that? How, when you look at the bottom line, no matter if it's the, the corner drug dealer or the government, they're offering the common man, offering him for his extra dollars, uh, 
a relief from the day-to-day existence, but they are receiving long-term financial benefits. Absolutely. They always did that. Like my brother said, it's it's about capitalism. So everything they do, they're giving it to us. They're They're making it even more, like he said. So, I mean... It's been around for a while, Mr. Deshay. This is just what they, they do, you know, and they don't I mean, care. I mean, that's what the television does. We spent thousands of dollars for a television, you know, to do what? To do to give us the same referral sensors that somebody bought inebriated, that someone, someone um, buys alcohol, smokes cigarettes, drinks coffee. You know, it says it says send the same um 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 sense to the brain in terms of about leaving your fault, sense of relief and relaxation. You know, same thing. You know, so you know it's not it's not just drugs. He, um, human nature is habitual. We're, we're creatures by habit. So no matter what we're involved, we could, we constantly drink the same sodas. We constantly drink the we um buy the same types of sneakers, eat the same type of food. We constantly buy the same, wear the same types of colors, or we call we wear creatures of habit. So you know, in terms of us being human beings, you know, what I'm saying uh, a habitual nature is, is is embedded in us. You know, we don't like things that not that we're not familiar with. You know, and just because someone is, you know, you might grow up in a community that um that, that that's drug ridden, but that doesn't mean that someone that grew up in a community drug ridden community is going to use drugs. My brother's an example. My brother grew up in a drug running community. My brother never used drugs. My brother barely drank. You know what I mean? So that's you know. So the, so the thing about it is the same about he's been around the influence of drugs all his life. Everywhere, every 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 corner he could turn. But that didn't that didn't that didn't lead him to want to use drugs. Actually, it shunned him from what not wanting to use drugs. Actually, it made him not want to get um to use drugs. But what but what but what was the other pressure? What was the other what was the other economics, financial pressure, which was always on each and every one of us. You know, that economic financial pressure is what, what makes us find solace in some type of some type of uh, um, inebriation in or some type of state form of fashion. Whether it be food, sex, gambling, drinking, living above living above above our means, living living um you um um participating in lifestyles of negative lifestyles, all these things or things that we think are successful, you know. So these these are the negative repercussions of of not being aware, of not understanding our position in society, not understanding um you know how things have a long term effect on us, you know. We're involved in things, and we don't know the longitude studies on them. You know, you have something has to be around for 40 years before we can really understand the full effects of something. So many of the things that we're participating in right now have just come around recently or have just been accepted recently, so we don't know the long-term effects of it. And 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 and, and, that, and that's the, and that's the negative problem. Like I said, when we 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 talked about the the the, um, the, the demonization of marijuana, that was a personal vendetta of of a, of a big businessman. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not claiming that marijuana. That the, the marijuana is safe for people to consume. I'm just explaining to the fact that this was the personal vendetta of a big businessman who didn't want uh, um, someone using a different type of paper 
you know what I'm saying, competition with the paper that he was using. So this is where this is where the the, um, the demonization of marijuana has come from. You know, when you when you terms in terms about in terms of twenty, thirty, forty dollars in terms about to um in terms about using in terms about someone getting high or drinking or smoking, well we have to look at the society in terms of the consumer price index, the consumer price index in terms about what what everything that we pay costs. So we have to understand that, you know, why is the price of milk cost so high? Why is the price of meat? Why is the price of sugar? Why is the price of tea? And the rest of these things so high, which cost, which cost, which cost us more than um, the dollar to twenty forty dollars a day just to live. You know, tissue, soap. You know, these are things that we have to put in just to live. And many of these things, so and many of these things outweigh, you know, the price of what many people pay to pay um pay to get high. You know, the price, the cost of living in terms about paying for apartments and and, and and things of that nature. You know, we live in a society now where where where, where, where it's been blatantly said that and these are Caucasian. They're not even talking about us. Where the where, where where the millennials have no money saved, have no ability to buy homes now. You know what I mean? So, 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 so we're living in a society where because we're paying people to do more, and, and we're paying people less to do more all across the board. Whether you're corporate America, whether you're working in working in blue collar, we're paying people less to do more, and this is having a detrimental effect. And this is this is the reasons. This is the reason why America went in crisis with the unions and and, and all of these things at the turn of the century. You know what I mean? Because what? You know, big business was um, we keep all the profits, and they weren't sharing with the people who were making the profits. And this is what's going on now. It's continue going on as long as we, as the American public, continue to be consumed with you know who's on um on American Idol or who's you know who's playing the sports the sports arena this week and what LeBron is doing or what's you know what's going on with the Kardashians. You know that that that's the thing that's placating us. That's the thing that's that's keeping us from understanding what's going on in our society, and that's what's allowing our allowing our politics politicians to ride right around with superstars and, and movie stars and not and not be public services that they be paid to be. Facts. All right, yeah. what we're gonna do is we're gonna go uh to another break and we'll come back and give everybody an opportunity to give their final word. Hello I'm the music major. This is my man Jay Andre. He got a question to ask is there anybody in love?
T.D. Shea, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections. Brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Uh, we're going to have an awesome show on tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. I want to invite all of you uh, to come on the show. Uh, we've got a fantastic guest, and I want to make sure that all of you in the sound of my voice are going to dial in at 657-383-0309. Tomorrow will be a great time. Uh, it's the first-time guest, and uh, I just look forward uh, to us uh, uh, convincing her to come back in the future. Um, Karen, so what what's your final thought for this evening? Well, my final thoughts, once again, very interesting. I learned a lot, like always. And I appreciate having my brother speaking and and just and just still learning more and more every time. I like I said, I wish he could be on more, but uh I appreciate the little that he do give every other week. And uh like again, like he say, we gotta start paying attention to these laws. We really do. We have to start researching and start doing more reading. That's all I got to say. All right. Uh, Cheryl, your final thought for this evening? Um, as always, Mr. Higgins, you bring such valuable information, um, enlightening us to things that um, I know me, myself personally was not aware of some of the things that you talked about. And just like um, Terrence said before, um, you know, before me, about keeping our eyes always open but, you know, a lot of the things that we are doing is because we are not doing everything that we could be doing. And just like you said, we are consuming ourselves with unnecessary things. And, you know, it's always said here about um, don't let the distractions distract us. And with all uh-huh. that, said, whatever we do, we can always do better. Uh-huh. Amen. All right, um, Mr. Higgins, your uh, final thoughts this evening? Well, Mr. Shell, I just always, always thank you for having me on the show. And I just want us to um, to start being aware, start doing more research, and start taking things off face value. We have to understand that you know we live in a society that you know that that works for the work for the for the benefit of the rich. Doesn't matter what color we are, we have to always work for the benefit of the rich, and we have to start you know utilizing these laws effectively and start paying attention to what's going on around us and we have to stop stop being caught up with the distractions. You know what I mean? We have to start and we have to start have, have a little bit more understanding and you know what I'm saying with, with with each other so that we can understand each other so that we can come together and start looking at our similarities and start, you know, say instead of broadcasting our differences. You know what I'm saying? And if we'll do that, we'll have more love in our communities and we'll have more we'll have the edification that we all want to see. All right. As always, I appreciate you being here, uh, coming and bringing us these kind of topics. We need to talk about the kind of things that are impacting our communities and how do we go about addressing uh, these issues. Again, I'm asking everybody to be here tomorrow at 6 o'clock Eastern Time. We're going to have a great show for you. So please, uh, time for thoughts, love, and reflections at 657-383-0309 tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Take care, everybody.
Talk to you later. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to... Let it go. Can't let this thing hold up I want to. 